It's a passion of mine to inspire and encourage others to achieve their God-given greatness. I hope to share a fresh and energetic perspective of life with you because everybody needs a little Jesus, joy, and Jen in their day. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for tuning in to JMR Solutions. This is Jennifer Martinez, your friendly host. Uh, I have a great guest for y'all. I'm excited to share with you guys my friend, Big Lou. His name is really Louis Alviar, but we call him Big Lou. And he's going to share with you his heart. He's sharing his story for the first time. It's his first time on a podcast. And he does an incredible job of just being truthful and authentic. And he does not have an easy story, but he does want you to know, he wants you to understand that God's grace covers everything. And you're good enough and you're, you have an amazing amount of value. And he struggled his whole life with that. And you'll hear it throughout his story of, of his highs and his lows and um, how God loves you when you're in the lowest of lows and he's there for you. And to not beat yourself up and just to be true to yourself and live that authentic life. And there's so much joy and there's so much peace and there's um, redemption in that. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's a long one. So maybe, you know, Break it up if you have to, but it's it, it will minister to your heart, and so I'm excited that you tuned in. So here we go. Without further ado, my my buddy Big Lou. I'm here to talk about, talk with and introduce y'all to my friend Big Lou and his story. He has been doing he does all these Facebook stories and he does lives every day and he's got like he's a wealth of information and, and lots of um, he's just so inspirational. And um, so since he's sitting there staring at me, I might as well go ahead and say, why don't you say hi to everyone? <laughs> hi, how is everybody doing today? I'm going to um, have to like totally redo that whole first intro because I totally messed up. <laughs> thank you for being patient. Hey, let's say okay. Let's say okay. Hey, so, I just want to say thank you. Go ahead, please. Yeah, no, no. Go ahead. I just want to say thank you for uh, inviting me in on this today. And uh, I'm just excited. First podcast I've ever done with anyone um, only because of the lack of uncomfortability, but, uh, I'm glad you pulled me out of that. And, uh, and now I'm here. And so I have nowhere to go. <laughs> You've been doing that a lot lately. That's why I want to have you on. Cause I was like, I'm so impressed because lives are intimidating yes. you know? and any kind of any time, any time where you're, you know, going to record something, it's intimidating. You push that record button. Look at me. I mean, I've been doing this for over a year and I still don't know how to do an intro. <laughs> 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 you know? it's, it's, because you just start thinking, oh, I don't want to mess up, and then you do. So um, it, it's 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 weird. But so when I asked you to come on, you were like, I don't know, I've never been there. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm going to say. And I was like, I want to hear your story because you you literally do inspire everybody every day with your stories and your lives on Facebook. And I've watched all of them. They're really really good. Um, they're very short and they're to the point and they're and um, life changing for a lot, you know information. Um, but what's your story? Like what got you to this point? Like, obviously you have a good heart cause you're a nurse. Now you're doing financial stuff, but what are you up to? Like, what, how did this all start? You got to start, you got to start from the beginning. Um, as I told you when we started I was born a poor white child, um, <laughs> with a, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm, re I'm real Hispanic and people have actually called me. In fact, my in-laws this weekend, they thought I was black. I, was, I happened to have to be at a, uh, my mother-in-law passed away last week, but they thought I was black. 
then they thought, well, maybe you could be uh, uh, um, Afghanistan or <laughs> you could be an Indian, everything but Hispanic. But I am. I am a Hispanic, <laughs> half, uh, half Mexican, half Spanish, where my name Alviar comes from. But anyway, I thought that was really humorous. Even my in-laws thought I was black. So Yeah, well, you are pretty that. dark. Yeah, I am dark. I'm, I am dark. I'm pretty dark. Absolutely. Are you outside a lot or? No, I, this is just my natural color. Even when I uh, even when I ride my Harley, I ride with long sleeves for that reason, so I don't get dark. So <laughs> it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's good for Ten, aging. You're never going to age. That's exactly right. That's about all I have is the fact that I have good aging skin. But uh, yes, I, I I got to meet Jennifer and uh, uh, here at the Mastermind. I was really impressed as she got up and where she's coming, where she's been and what she's been doing. And, um, which kind of prompted me to, you know, talk to you on this thing. And it, it my life was different. It, 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 I was born and raised in Pasadena high school, uh, born in Pasadena, Texas. Um, parents divorced, uh, at age 13. Um, I went to work at age 14. And it's a lot of people don't know this at age 14. I'm a freshman in high school. And, Back then, it was different getting a job. You could actually take your birth certificate and use whiteout and <laughs> get a job. That's awesome. And uh, <laughs> I did that. I actually I got a job because I had three younger sisters and a mom who, who mom didn't finish high school, and we had to eat. And uh, so um, I went to school, going to school in football and in band and working a full-time job at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And... Uh, did that supported my family for a few until my mom got remarried to my stepfather and who was a magnificent person it wasn't until after the fact after my mid-20s that i figured that out but at the time he wasn't but uh went through school went through high school had had some really good friends still to this day i still have friends that uh we hang out and i uh mistakenly i ended up going to a seminary college in here in dallas texas wow I went to Christ for the Nations I know where that Institute, is. yes, and I went there when I was, right when I was turning 20. Um, I had been working at a church prior to that as a, I guess you could say as a college pastor, uh, I kind of was doing that deal after high school and kind of developing something and decided to go to ministry because I felt like that's where my calling was at at the time. And I got in there met somebody. We ended up uh, actually getting engaged, but leaving the school. I never, I never really finished there, but I did go there. I never was like, I never did got ordained or any of that stuff that you're supposed to do. And uh, that didn't work out. She, uh, there was some things that happened between that relationship and uh, it was good things because she, because of that, I'm with my current wife, which is fantastic. But, uh, during that time I left and I moved and I was, I came back and I was homeless for a little bit because I was doing some things that, uh, my father, my stepfather at the time didn't want my, want my, my, uh, uh, my sister seeing, I was actually smoking a lot of dope back then. And back then it wasn't cool then to do it. And you know, it's different in today's world, how they, what they do. But back then he didn't want that type of, uh, influence on him and I got it and so I left and I was homeless for a little bit uh 
sleeping on a couple of park benches we had out and thing and just kind of hanging out. Didn't know what I really was going to do. And, okay. Uh, wait, I got it. I got to interrupt. Okay. So you're okay. This is, this is crazy. So you had, you went from high school to seminary school and then what, how, okay. So how did the drugs come in? Because that just doesn't line up. Like, you know, it, you know, the, the, the drugs came in the, the, the marijuana usage came in more because, uh, I, at the time I was working for Pepsi Cola, uh, I was working as a where I kind of fell backwards into a position that I should have never gotten through favor. And I guess God was trying to take me out of that and make me forget. But I, I really I screwed that up big time uh, by doing the drugs and everything. And um, of course, you go back then, I guess that was 1991. Yeah, it was 1991. And I think I was making right at about 65,000. So you have to think in 1991, you take that and you triple that pretty much today's where that's what I was making back yeah, then. Yeah, that's good. It was great back then. And of course I got involved with the drugs and other things like that in a young age and doing what I was doing and lost that job. I lost that job. I didn't, when I moved back in with mom, I, you know, I had vehicles, motorcycles and had lost all that. Didn't even have a vehicle at the end. And that's kind of where that came in because I was pretty heartbroken over what had happened with uh, my fiance because of some things that had happened with that. And uh, it was, uh, it was devastating to me at the time. And so I got the job and it wasn't until months later that I kind of got on that. And then I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to do certain things. I kind of became your typical kind of whatever. And of course that comes along with not going to work. That means that you don't have a job. Yeah. And so that's where the homeless part came in. I was still wanting to do, uh, do those things. And, uh, but not work or do any of those types of stuff. And so my mindset was really off at the time. And that's what made me actually go into homeless. I, I really, I wanted to do what Lou wanted to do, regardless of what anybody else wanted me to do. And so I, I find that, that that's normal. I have a lot of guests on that. The more gifted a, a person is, the more uh, or anointed or, or, you know, gifted by God <laughs> a person is, the more they get attacked, I feel like, and they, and it takes them hitting, like a pretty low low for them to to come back full circle because it's like the devil's trying to take you out because he doesn't want your message out there because your message is really good you know the stuff that you're putting out there every day you know on facebook now and then the impact you've had on on people's lives i mean i know we're talking about early 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 on yeah it seems like that um everyone that comes on and tells their story that has had to go through either drug or some kind of addiction or some kind of um setback major setback i mean homeless is pretty set back, you know, from <laughs> making good money to the homeless. It's a, it's a huge issue, right? yeah. And um, it, I don't think it's because the more gifted, the more you're attacked. And so it's, I'm interested to see how you got out of that. Well, it, it, it got worse. Uh, oh. I, I decided to go to school and um, I uh, went to live where I was homeless and my uncle who said I said man I need to go to school and I figured you know at least the government gave me some money to go to school so I applied and of course they gave me money uh and I ended up going to southwest Texas in San Marcos in oh, fact no. I didn't even even have a car my uncle drove me to my dad's house my dad had to give me this old Honda I don't even know what year it was 80 something uh and that's kind of what I drove at the time and uh he wasn't really living in his house. He kind of was just floating around. So I kind of stayed there with his roommate and met some people. And through those people I met, uh, I met an individual that um, was, 
had who had lived in Brownsville and had moved up here to go to school, but he was he was connected with uh, a um, um, a cartel down across the border, and uh, you know I was went to school, but I was still continuing to smoke marijuana. And uh, I decided, you know, I'll go ahead and do this. And I was out literally smoking with this, this guy. At, uh, uh, we were back deep in San Marcos, and there was this beautiful wet waterfalls where all the stoners went to go smoke. <laughs> and he, had, he happened to be there, and me and him struck up a conversation. And that's kind of where my life kind of went to a totally, completely different direction. And uh, wow. I became involved in... in, in and uh, some trafficking and some other things that kind of went along with that whole lifestyle and other things that kind of occurred with that. And it was, uh, I was still in school. I was still doing my stuff. I was still trying, but I was hiding it all well. Wow. Uh, I was hiding it very well. Uh, uh, even when I went to nursing school, I hid it well. I, I told people, and uh, you heard pastors say it, I actually hid what I was doing by stripping. I, I stripped to hide the money that I was making and everything else. So I had to figure out a way to hide the different cars I was, I was driving to. And they were brand new. I wasn't dumb. I bought older cars, cash. I had a Harley. I, I, I had several things, but I hid it well because I wasn't going out and buying a Rolls Royce. I wasn't going out and buying this stuff. I was doing it quietly but I was also doing it in, in the mask of the other deal I was doing. And it, it, it made a perfect cover. Actually, it was a good cover for me to do what I was doing. And, uh, <clears throat> that world was, was different. It's, uh, it's not, it's not glamorous. Like people think it is. It's, a. Uh, um, well, that's probably why you were actually, it was feeding your drug addiction because you don't want to really, like comprehend what's going on. You don't really want to be in the, you want to, you want to, um, what do they call it? Suppress it. Like, you know, I, I was suppressing a lot of feelings, but a lot of times, even with that drug addiction, I actually backed off of smoking so much. I actually would just do it in the evening. And the only reason why is because I had to keep my wits about me during the day. Wow. So I made myself do that. I actually, I guess that was a good thing, honestly. And when I look at back at that is I actually, purposely made myself not do that unless I was at home alone or asleep. I was going to go to sleep or something for that purpose. And that's actually where that actually went to. I never was really a constant day user after that. It was something that I did at night um, because I had to stay alert during the day. I, whether it was school, whether I was doing something else, during, running around during those times or, or whatever. Why would you stay in school? That's what gets me. It's like most of the time, you know, if you get involved and you're making that kind of money, you're like, hey, I don't need school. What made you stay in school? Because I always knew, okay, your husband's a cop mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that are firemen. You never go into a burning building without an exit plan, without several. Yeah. So I was in a burning building. I needed to make sure I had several exit plans. Wow. Football didn't work out for me because I actually, if I go back, step back a little bit, I actually had a, uh, I had a partial scholarship to Sam Houston State University out of high school. I always step over this because I believe this is the trajectory that launched me this way. And the fact that I wasn't going to play 2A ball, I came back home, I was in knee surgery, 
and I got I, I, I ended up going to seminary college. It was a secondary thing, and that's gotcha. what happened. And so I went there and so maybe this is what I need to do on the advice of my uncle, who's been a pastor. He's been a pastor for many, many, many years. Uh, Masters uh, World Outreach in Houston is what he pastors there. And Masters Plan World Outreach is where, is where he does that. And um, so through all of that, um, and I had friends and everything, I had – it the reason of going to school was to hide in plain sight too. Mm. I, I, you do things before breaking bad was around <laughs> before any of those guys were around. Yeah. You, it was smart to hide in plain sight. Yeah. It was wow. hard. It was good to be seen. It was good to be out. It was good to be constant because no one sp suspects you doing that. Oh, he's in school. Oh, he's stripping at night. That's where he's making his money. So um, it was it was thought out well for me, and it, it it worked well for me. It was it was scary as hell. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. There were some things that um, changed and impacted my life, and I'll never forget them. Some of the things that were done. However, um, when I got into nursing school, I was with a uh, I was in nursing school. You don't have a lot of time to date. You have a lot of time to just study. She does all she does is study. She twenty exactly. That's all you have time for. So, me being, I was the only male in a classroom of twenty five females, mm -hmm. and so um, I was having a good time <laughs> to relieve stress with one of the our, our classmates. And this is known in the medical field, and it's kind of one of those things, and it's just is what it is. So. Uh, we're still good friends, even today, but she introduced me to my wife now. Oh, wow. In fact, the story is so funny that we kind of joke around about that is that uh, this young lady, Amy, who she, she comes up, she goes, hey, I, I'd like for you to go out with this girl. <laughs> she goes, I think y'all get to get off or y'all would uh, hit it off real well. And so uh, awesome. we did, we met and... I was kind of, they both were okay that I was kind of with both of them at the same time because they were both nurses. <laughs> I was the stress reliever, I guess you could say, Jennifer. I don't know how else to put that up, and I apologize for that. But that's just, that's just one of those things that kind of happened in that field. And, and, and in school, it's, I don't know why, but it just kind of is. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of went along. And that, when I met her, we were, I was really trying to get out of what I was doing. Um, tremendously trying to get out of what I was doing. And so were you saved the whole thing? Were you a believer? You know what? I, since I had left Christ for the nations when I was 21, right now I'm at the age in this realm of my life, 26, 27. No, I was as far as I could be away. I was, uh, I ran like yeah. Jacob did. I, I just ran. You just run from yeah. it completely and turn yourself away. You kind of, trust me, there were times that I was in a literal, literal dark place alone and you do cry out for God. Mm -hmm. You do cry out and say, man, <laughs> and I, 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 don't, I don't care any atheist, whoever, you just have that no matter where you're at and you're alone, you cry out to God no matter who you are. Yeah. Um, 
Now, if he hears you or not, that's another thing, depending on where you're at in life. But people cry out at that point to God. And, uh, um, man, it's, it's hard uh, for you. This is hard for you to talk about. Yeah, it is. It's really hard for me to talk about because it's a – I can I tell you something real quick go ahead you're you're struggling with this because it's it's your past life and but, but I, I can't I can't tell you enough how much this actually helps people because I think people always want to clean themselves up before they go before God and they think they need to be a good person before they go to God and I just I I don't I totally disagree with that and it you he wants you who where you're at like he'll help you with all that stuff because it's hard that's why yeah. I need God in my life because I'm not a good person. And if I, <laughs> right. I mean, like yeah. I, I've made a lot of bad choices and I, and I don't always go the right direction, but God helps me do that. And, and, and so it's okay that you're, t thank you for sharing this with me because I think that, and, and my listeners, because so many people have been in that place. They've, they've been in the place where they're, they, they, they're not, proud of themselves and they've made some choices that are not good. I mean, I've myself had several times and, and that's, and, and so you're ministering to that person saying, look, it's okay though. Cause God loves you even in that, like he loves you more in that. I think he loves us more in those situations because he knows we need it more in those situations because we're our own worst critic. We beat ourselves up all the time, you know? And so, so it's, it's okay. And it's good that you're telling this because you were in a really bad place and you were making really, uh, you know, unique choices, but that doesn't make you a bad person. The devil wants us to think we're bad and we're not, we're not bad. We're not, yeah. you know, I, I agree with that uh, tremendously, but I also believe that, um, and I, uh, you know, I'll go out here in a little bit with kind of, I, I think that we all have a course and whatever that is. And a lot of times we try to, we take different routes to get there, uh, regardless of what that route is. Sometimes we do bunny trails and we get off and sometimes we have to get back on that path. Yeah. And um, so sometimes it's very difficult to do that. And, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it is, it, it's very difficult because besides this is probably the third time I've spoken about this. I told someone last year because I was a, it was, she was a friend of mine at the time. And uh, I think I really scared her to death because it was one of those things where I was vulnerable at the time and it came out. I had never told a soul. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even told my spouse yet. And it came out and it was very devastating to me to walk through that because I had literally bay doored that life. I had bay doored it. It's like you, like you, like when you, like when you store things in a storage yeah. and then you don't go there, why don't you go there? Because you don't really need that stuff, yeah. but we store things. Well, I don't know why that we store things and then we don't even go there till we need them to move in. So I was like, but I never did need that for three months. Why do I need it now? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I did. I had bay doored everything and shut it down, secured it tight to where I didn't want that because to get out of what I was doing, um, 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 because I fell in love with my wife. I fell in love. And this is before John Wick. This is before all that happened. And I, I say this now, what's funny is I see those, those shows and I'm like, you know, they're for entertainment, but people don't really realize unless they're in the midst of that and what it is and everything. And it is, it's entertainment, it's fun. But this was before I actually, I found someone that was, 
um, very uniquely, very unique with myself and everything. We have many friends outside of her. She has a, a group of girlfriends of about 10 and they always come to her and said, man, we wish we had a marriage like you and Luke. Mm-hmm. We really wish we had that. And there was a couple here the other day that says, I really wish we had said, no, you don't. You don't know what it took to get here. Yeah. It was a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of, of uh, landmines, not, uh, avoiding landmines and, and trying not to. It, it takes a lot to get where we're at because of how, her, how she is with me and how we are together. And I saw that back then. I said, this is the person I want to be with. And, she challenges uh, you. She, she challenges me. Yeah. And uh, so. Uh, I think that's what real love is, though. It's sacrifice, it, you know. It is. It, it doesn't is. It's look like, life. ooh, gooey, yay. It looks like, um, all right, work. hold your hair while you throw up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's work. My husband challenges me all the time. I get it. Um, he, and, and, and vice versa. And I think that's healthy, you know? Yes, it is. It's very healthy to do that. It's very healthy. And so getting out of that, um, was the hardest thing I ever had to talk about. And I told, I actually told my wife last, uh, last year, I sure did after I told this person, cause it was open wound and, uh, um, and it, it was irreprehensible and we're not going to go into that on this because of what it is, Yeah. but I did get out of that. In, in, in any way and you can look up how to get out of that uh, or you can look at movies on how to get out of those things yeah um sometimes there's a task that's got to be done in order for those things to happen and so that's what had to occur and that's why i'm here talking to you today as much as that hurts me and pains me because it was horrible um yeah. but at the same time um it uh it's your um, message it's the message where I'm at now. And so, you know, relate to perfect. No, it's not. It, it's not perfect. It, 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 it's very ugly. <laughs> it's authentic. very <laughs> it's authentic. Like you always it's, say. It is. It's authentic. It's very authentic. And, uh, leaving that behind, I, I created for many years. I felt like a facade of a person that people thought of who I ought to be. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. And three years ago, I pulled back. I'd served at my church, did some stuff. And I was was a captain on a high level serving, doing things. And I pulled back because I felt like I was doing that specific thing because that's exactly what people felt like I should be doing as a leader or whatever. And, And I really wasn't that person. In fact, the first video I ever did, and, and, and if you go back to my, my Facebook has changed. I didn't delete anything prior to, cause you'll see how much of an idiot I was prior to. <laughs> I, I, I was an ass. I, I attacked people, uh, with the political views or anything that they had. I just, that's, that's what you do you, you, when you're mad at yourself and mad at everything else. I was just going to say that when you're mad at yourself, <laughs> mad at you and you're mad at all that, all that comes in this displaced anger. And I wrote that before I even started my videos. I said for three years, I've been in this hole. And I've been in a hole of anger, desperation, sadness of a person who I did not know I, that I thought I was. And uh, I really had to pull myself back to really figure out who I was. And it wasn't easy. I, I, I've been, I was trying to do it without with God for about, honestly, for about two, two almost over two years. Um, here the, from the past three years, and the first video I ever did was 
be authentic in a world of avatars. Hmm. And, and that was the first video I ever did back in Facebook when I changed my, when I decided to go a different route and to, start, and to take what I had learned and what I've been doing in, in church and underneath a great leader, a pastor who, like I've said before, who charges $10,000 an hour just to speak to you. And we get the privilege, I mean, you and I on a mastermind on a whole different level, it doesn't even cost that much, but someone who speaks on a, um, to, to, to great leaders, man, I mean, uh, on a big platform of get motivated uh, and just, it, it, I didn't understand what I had there. Uh, mm -hmm. And I took it for granted for such a long time, but all that stuff was in, all that stuff had been said to me and, I, and I'm an auditory learner. So I can be doing 25 different things. And if someone's talking, I can listen and it goes in. So as I was whatever, half listening or half doing something, I was taking everything in and realized, like I said, in the mastermind last week, there's people that he's not going to reach. There's people that he can't even talk to because of social economic verbiage. He uses people don't understand some of it sometimes that I'll be able to do that. So I simplify everything that he's ever done in the videos that I've done that I've been doing. I just simplify everything mm -hmm. to where the everyday person, not the everyday leader or C-level executive is used to listening yeah. to those things. And so I said, you know, there's so much in me to be able to be able to give that back because it, I sat there for so long, um, facading. I literally was like that guy in avatar. I forgot his name. He did the Spartacus. I forgot the actor's name when he went in the blue person and he went out and he did the avatar thing. I forgot his name. I forgot to, I don't know. But yeah. I can't remember his name, but he went in the thing cause he was, uh, paralyzed. Yeah. There's a natural supernatural correlation. You're paralyzed in your own life. Uh, uh, and that, that movie made a whole lot of sense to me when I made the video. I went back and looked at it because I saw how he was put inside this person to become something that he wasn't. Yeah. And he was charged by that. And he, he actually felt addicted to it, to always wanting to go into this avatar right. and, and be something that he wasn't or be able to run because he could run. And I think that that's how I felt in my life, pretty much paralyzed because I, I, I was in this certain uh, kingdom of things and I was in a wheelchair. And so my life getting out of that, I felt like I was still in a wheelchair. So what I do, I create an avatar, a alter ego, a version of myself. I was still me, but it was a version, not the whole me of who I am. Yeah. And so you go through life with this version of who you are. And uh, it sucks because for 15 years now at this church, well, I say 12 because 13, uh, 12 years at this church, I was someone that people thought who I was and I'm really not that person. Mm -hmm. um, it was a version. It was a type of what Lewis is, mm -hmm. of what I allowed you to see, not the whole version of who I am. And it's made me a little bit more, I'm, I think I'm more of an introvert, extrovert, and I didn't realize that as I get myself because I'm quiet around people now because I realize I'm really stupid and in the sense of, of uh, I need to learn more. And so that's why I felt the way I felt when I went to Mastermind because I, I went into a room knowing I need to learn as much as possible so that I can help others. But at the same time, it was intimidating to me. And I, I remember pastor saying to me the other day, I, I told him, I said, I was intimidated by him. I honor and respect that man so much that 
when he would ask me, it was, it was a lot of times where he would just come up and ask me a question. And I don't know if he remembers, but there's been three or four times he's going, Hey man, you, I don't know what to say. I've actually said, yeah. And not expanded on anything, even though my heart just kind of wanted to say some things because. You didn't think your value was there. Value was there. And I didn't want him to see my avatar. Well, when I started my, um, my speech the other day, I, I, the first place I'd looked at was you because you, when you had gone around the room talking, okay guys, so we're in the same mastermind together and we get to introduce ourselves and it was his first time in the mastermind and it was my first time presenting, which was horrible, but that's another day. And, um, and, and, and I remember when you were introducing yourself, you said something about value and, um, and I looked at you when I got up to do my, 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 um, uh, speech or whatever you want to call it, my, um, presentation. And I said, your value, your value is God values you. I think that's what it, it was either value. I think it wasn't value. Qualifies. That's what the word was. It was qualified. qualified. And I looked at I'm you qualified. and I said, you're qualified because God qualified you. It says it in his word several times, but that's why you're qualified. And I think that's what so many people fight with. They fight that they're not, I'm not good enough. And that's not what God's word says. God says, God's word says time and time again, I've qualified you. I've qualified you. You know, we beat ourselves up, man. And you, and when you, so when you said that it triggered, <laughs> there's that word triggered, it triggered something in me where I was like, I've been, I, I, I have been there my whole life where I didn't think I was good enough. I'm not good enough, you know? And, and so, you know, this past, gosh, three years of being in God's word more than I've ever been in my life, trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen. Cause I'm in that stage where my son's turning 18 tomorrow and he's in his senior year and he's my baby. You know, he's the youngest. So I'm going to be an empty nest. So I've been the last few years just changing things and, and a lot in God's word. And he kept saying, and that's the one thing he kept putting. I would always write it at the top of a piece of paper. Whenever I'd write something is that God qualified me. Don't, cause you, cause we do that. Like when you're like, well, I was extremely intimidated sitting in that room, especially with all the new people. And I wasn't, and I, and I had prepared and I had prepared and I had prepared and I totally messed it up. And until I got into my wheelhouse of my gifting, it was a mess. Right. And so I get it. I totally get it. You know? And that, so that's, so you're qualified because of God and we, and, but I'm sorry. So go ahead. So you, with, with pastor, you were talking about how it was hard for you to like talk to him. To even talk to him because of the person. And it, it's not him. He's just a man. Yep. He puts on his clothes. He pees like I do. He poops like I do. And he would say the same thing. He just would. as he was sitting here, he would say the same thing like I'm saying. it. But the mantle yeah. that he carries on his life yeah. is what is, is, is intimidating to an individual that is not um, authentic. Mm -hmm. And that's what always intimidated me about him is that I thought, man, he's going to see through this. Freaking, he's going yeah. to see through this crap and I yeah. don't want anyone seeing through this crap. And, and that was my biggest fear a lot of times just in interactions with him. And, uh, I, uh, I have to give him a lot of stuff because of stuff I talk about, even though it comes from my heart, it comes from impartation of that and backed up by, of course, scripture and other people that I read to as well along the way that I've read uh, due to the fact of him. Um, but my coming out of that darkness, coming out of that and doing this um, is is way out of my comfort zone is doing those, those things that I do. People say I do them. And, and even today there's, there's times I just don't want to. 
And yeah. I just do, I do them anyway, because it's part, even last week, I didn't want to do them at all. Well, I, I was tired last week. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there and honestly, it was really difficult uh, as a nurse. Cause I am, as you said, I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for, I've been in medical field for 20 plus years. And then I'm going over the financial literacy and helping people with that, with her, awesome. uh, credit restoration, wills, Good trust, helper. budgeting, things of that nature. And so it's so, your, your heart is in the right place. you like to help people. It's a gift. That's what, that's what that is. It's just helping people yep. uh, in, in, in any aspect. And I felt as if this was an aspect that I could help people and encourage them because we're all going to the same crap, uh, yep. regardless of what those things are. And you're not judgmental. And, so that's no. good. I mean, like putting this all out there. I mean, there's going to be someone that's going to hear this and go, I want to work with that guy because you're not going to, that you have, you're going to have one empathy. You're not going to be judgmental. Like I think sometimes um, we think we have to have everything perfect and in place to do a certain thing. And that actually hurts you because it's like, it intimidates people, right? And so now they're like, oh, he's a real person. He's a normal person. He's not going to get, he's not going to look at my finances and go, man, this person's a, a wreck. He's going to look at my finances <laughs> and go, oh my goodness, I can help you. You know, and look <laughs> at the difference, right? Someone who's been all suit and tied and everything and got their all, all their, all their, their life in order, well, makes it look like their life's in order, um, that, but I can't relate to that because my life is a disaster. Like right now you're seeing just a little square of me, but let me tell you, there's a dog over there. There's a backpack over there. There's like a kitchen full of uh, sink full of stuff. Right. You know, I mean, that's right. That's normal. You know, yeah. I went from training to here. I got, that's why I got a hat on, you know, life is not, is messy. And, yeah. and so you're able, and so, and, and finances control a lot of that. Like, and so you, you were helping people physically and, and I think financially you're still helping people physically because yeah. the stress that comes on people that don't know how to manage their stuff. And if you can come alongside them and say, look, this is, it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be okay. I've been there. That's right. Help That's you. Right. So no, I'm, absolutely. You're going to minister to a lot of people through this. And as I'm, as I'm starting this, and I, I, I say on my videos, it's one of the hardest things in the world to do and come over because uh, as, as what I did before was contracting. I contracted with different, uh, different organizations to do business development. I'm doing that right now with the company as well as doing the financial literacy. I'm kind of still piggybacking them on both. And I still need to do those things. And, and as I transition completely out, not that I may not ever do that. I'll always keep my nursing license as I always keep, uh, uh, I always keep that back door open to go in just in case I need fall something. Back on. Fall back on. The hardest thing to do was that I had to completely um, change and, and, uh, and it cost us, you know, savings and things of that nature we're going through. And this is a very hard time. The hardest thing you will ever do is, besides making a choice of timing is is the timing and transition you are the most vulnerable in doing something in transition than any other time you can ask your husband if he's in SWAT or anything if you're taking cover and you're behind something and i'm transitioning over to another part of cover i am completely vulnerable mm -hmm. to everything around me That's so good. transition is always the most vulnerable place that you will ever be in any situation in your life. And, uh, and I'm very vulnerable right now. And there's things hitting that we've got hit financially more than I ever thought we would here just recently on a lot of things. And we're, 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 and it's because I'm in transition Of course, and I, and, and, and I, and I know that. that. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the thing about that is that, I, and I, 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 one thing I wanted to, 
speak about today was also in that, in my whole story and everything that had happened, I really believe sometimes we get it confused. I really believe that we feel as if the devil is throwing things at us. I don't really believe that now. Here's why. I believe Jesus is the one that makes us uncomfortable. There, and I'll tell you why. When Jesus went to, um, in Mark chapter one, he goes and uh, he goes with his, uh, his disciples. He picks up his disciples, makes them fishers of men. He does that. And they go to Capernaum. Capernaum is, and we say Capernaum, but if you really know what that means, it's actually Caper Nahum, hmm. which is the village. Caper, Nahum, comfort, huh. the village of the comfort. That's okay. Awesome. So, so Jesus goes to the village of comfort to do the most. He did 22, 23 miracles, the most of anywhere. He goes and does all sorts of things, but one of the things that really stuck to me in verse, uh, in one of the, I can't remember the verse, but I know it's in the 22, 23, I believe in chapter three is when he goes into the synagogue and he's supposed to be preaching after he picks up James and John, after he picks up, after he picks up his two fishers of men, his tax and he brings them with him. They walk in where there's a man there because he's a guest preacher there. And this man stands up who's possessed mm. and he starts saying, why? And I'm paraphrasing, please. I'm not a biblical scholar yet, but I'm paraphrasing. Why are you here? Are you here to attack me because you are the chosen one? You are the almighty. Why are you here? And I, I read that passage over and over. And I thought to myself, how long was that man coming to service week after week, mm. day after day, and he was never uncomfortable until Christ walked in the door. Mm-hmm. You see, to me, Capernaum, the village of the comfort, was the reason why he walked in was that demon stood up because he recognized the power. Mm-hmm. He made that place uncomfortable. Yeah. He was confrontational. Jesus wasn't sweet. Yeah. Jesus was not a sweet person as I was reading in this passage and how he was even to the point to where um, he, he looked angrily at people who didn't heal someone on the, on the Sabbath. And I, and it literally says he stared at the, at the Sadducees with anger as yeah. he healed this person. See, Jesus to me does not come to, he came to confront the system that had kept his people in bondage for all these years. Yep. Okay. He didn't come to, he didn't come to, he didn't, he came to convict. He didn't come, he didn't come to do condemnation. Right. See, con- conviction has the ability to make someone better. Yes. Condemnation doesn't. So when he comes in there, let's look at Jesus. Jesus had to remove himself of comfortability yep. from heaven to come down on this earth, to be a kind of uncomfortable in a human body to carry out his purpose. Mm-hmm. Even to the point before the cross, he said, dude, I'm an uncomfortable guy. Can you take this from me? Right. He was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Uncomfortability comes with be- walking in Christ. So in my story, every time I was uncomfortable because he was putting things towards me, the decisions I was making was mine. 
Yeah. But the, but I really believe that regard of what I was doing, he had his hand on me, but he put me in situations to grow me in an uncomfortability regardless and a covering because I know my grandmother prayed for me. My mother was, there's a lot of people that were covering on that. And so to me, when God puts you in an uncomfortable position, it's actually putting you there so you can grow because the, because the devil wants to keep you. No, no, no. Just make them comfortable. Right. Leave them right there. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is it pulls you away from your calling. It pulls you away from your, from your, from from where you need to be as opposed to, to, to where he wants you to be. So to me, I really believe that people live in a dysfunctional comfort and the dysfunctional comfort pushes God away and away from their purpose. Go ahead. No, that's so good because that's what I tell my kids all the time. And you're, you're a dad, you get it. Um, my daughter, she's, and my son, but just for this story, you know, she would say, I'm reading my Bible. I'm, you know, I'm making straight A's. I'm, I don't cuss. I listen to praise music. I do all these things and I just keep getting attacked. Right. And why, you know, and it's like, because I said, why do you think that is? I said, it's because you're doing everything that you need to do. And so you gotta, you've gotta, you've gotta grow. It's like, you gotta be uncomfortable. And it's, it's so true. You know, it's crazy. And you see that in life, but we also do it with our kids when it comes to discipline. We don't discipline our kids because we hate them. We discipline them because we love them. Right. You know, I mean, my son, I mean, he's a big boy, you know, plays football like you did. And, you know, and, and, and when, when he, he, oh gosh, he got taller than me, I think in fifth grade when he passed me up, <laughs> when he passed me up, right. I, 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 that's when I started sitting him down to discipline him because he was only 10, even though he was big, you know? And so I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look up at my son and discipline him. I'm going to sit him down. I'm going to say, you're going to sit down. And to this day, to this day, that kid at 18, 18 tomorrow, good Lord. Um, he's, he's, he's respectful. Right. But if I hadn't started that, earlier and and put that boundary there he, he wouldn't be the kid that he is and so it's it, right. it it is it's it's uncomfortable to discipline your kids but it's so important it's love it's true love and god loves us and that's so, exactly yeah, right that's exactly you, right there's a lot of analogies there <laughs> there's a lot of the stuff that happens and i believe the what you go through isn't for you. And a lot of times in first uh, Corinthians chapter one to three through four, people use that like in times. And I use that too in times for God, your father who comforts you all yeah. in all of your dysfunction. If you look at that, it says tribulation, but tribulation can actually be uh, um, swapped out with dysfunction, things of that nature, even in that. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, no, you're good. That wasn't what you went through is not for you. It is to give to others to show yes. them how to comfort because that is the function of comfort. Yep. We don't go through for us. We grow through so that we can help somebody else, but no one ever gets that. And that's the hardest thing to do with when it talks about that scripture. That's exactly what that scripture is talking about is to help others in the time of the comfort of what they need, regardless of what that is. And so for me, I, it was the first time I preached. I had never preached on a, in a pulpit or anything of that nature. And it was, um, so God took me from where I was at to <laughs> of all things of preaching at my, my mother-in-law's funeral and a woman who I had taken care of. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but when I've done hospice as a nurse and you're there, uh, she, uh, it was difficult to do that 
Because you know as a nurse, when you're given morphine every hour, you're get, making a patient comfortable, but at the same time, you're relaxing the anatomic nervous system of breathing. Yeah. So there's a two-way street, and it's a very gray in my opinion, area and the way that operates, but I understand because it is good for the family not to see. If you've seen anybody struggle dying, mm -hmm. you don't ever want to see a family member do that. And right. I get why we do that. That's the reason why, and I understand that. Yes. It still doesn't make it any easier. Right. Um, when, when I'm doing it to somebody else, it's easier to separate because I don't know these people. I'm doing it as a, as a job. This was probably very difficult because she didn't meet criteria for a the hospice company to send a nurse because Medicare only gives you certain criteria and she didn't meet any, even though she needed it. Thanks for two companies who have, <sighs> I just want to say thanks to companies who defrauded Medicare and have made them come up with this system because before she would have been able to have somebody, but because of that, they changed it and people like her suffer who don't need to. And not everybody has a relative who happens to be a nurse. Right. And my wife was, my wife gave her two doses and she saw her slow down. She was, I can't do this. Right. She was, I can't do this. She woke me up out of the sleep, the three hours. I actually did get three hours of sleep at one time. And I got back up and I did that and slept on the floor by her bedside and make sure everything was okay. That was uncomfortable to me. That made me the most uncomfortable because I was doing it to my mother-in-law who I knew what was happening. Right. But at the same time, I have this family trying to count on me to do this. And, you know, you, what are you going to do? Just not do it. Right. Um, so it, it was a growth for me and her family. There was a lot of stuff that happened with that. Um, a lot of lessons to learn. I've been saying that in my videos this week, stuff I've learned from her family. Um, great life lessons and, and, and the foundation of where she comes from and hearing all these stories from them, which is incredible, which is the reason God kind of showed me in full circle, you chose the right person for what you need. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, um, but I really believe that we need to learn to be, learn as we walk in Christ to be uncomfortable because that's the only way that we change. Because even when the even when pastor's talking, he can be saying something. And the minute he says something, wherever you're at, whether it's our pastor or another pastor, the minute they say something that makes you uncomfortable, you kind of do this in your pew. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you kind of move it because you know it's uncomfortable. Yeah. You know it's something that you need to be dealing with, and that's how the spirit moves upon you. It's the same way and, physically. When I train clients, I'm like, you've got to have to, if you want to get better, true. you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. Today, it's, it's funny that, this, that you're talking about this because I have a client today that I was we're trying to decrease her time and today was the time to run that makes her uncomfortable because she's been running she's been getting better but when you when i'm sitting there with a timer and she has accountability right that so she's uncomfortable there then i also have taught her okay you know what you're never it's not going to feel good like you're going to get the time that you want but it's not going to feel good while you're getting it but you're going to feel great once you're there so she had two laps to go and i started yelling at her you know you gotta get uncomfortable. You gotta get uncomfortable because I knew she could. I knew she could do it. She just had to do and realize she could do it and be okay with being uncomfortable. And it was the best run she's ever had. But it was funny that you used that word because that's exactly what I was telling her. She goes, "I was just sitting there and I heard you start yelling that, and I was because I was about to just start giving into my trot. Right? You do that. We start giving. Start the pain starts happening. And you're just like, 
oh, this is hard. I'll just, I can do it and it'll, it'll be okay. And then I was like, but she was like, no, you, you pushed, you said, get uncomfortable. And I did. And I was uncomfortable for those few minutes, but I'm so proud of my time, you know? So, um, that's, that's, it's so good in the physical, spiritual, spiritual and body, man. It works that way. Believe it or not, it works a lot more than people think that it does. It works that way. And it isn't until you get there and, and you realize that, uh, all this time, the uncomfortability was actually Christ trying to push you through your next thing as opposed to you. Because I have been, when you're complacent, you're right, and you're comfortable, and you're just kind of hum-hoing, you're not really moving, you're, you're just kind of settling, there's that. And I can see how parents do that with discipline with their children. They become complacent. Uh, all right, whatever. Mm. Go ahead and go do it. The, the complacency, the comfortability of being able to do that, they don't see on down the line what that's going to create. And so it, as a parent, you have to be uncomfortable. You have yeah. to be uncomfortable, discipline your children, do all that. Like it. I tell them, I tell myself all the time, cause, cause kids are stupid, you know, especially boys, you know. Um, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> in the most loving way, I love my son to pieces, but uh, you know, homecomings this week. And so son, he's going to the, you know, dance and stuff. I, I promise you, I will have the same exact thing that I always tell him. I will take your cart. I will take your phone. I will take the door off of your room. I will take, it will make your life living hell if you do something stupid. So why don't you make sure you tell all your friends who will get a slap on the hand maybe from their parents that no, you don't understand. Like I don't get a slap on the hand in my household. My life is over. You know, I can make it a living. I mean, I can make it miserable for that boy. Right. And he has to understand that. Right. And to me, that keeps him from going when he's in that situation. It, it takes the pressure off of him. That's what parents don't understand. We got to take the pressure off the kids in the sense of that peer pressure. You just say, look, my mom is crazy. You know, might be, you know, a time of thing. She's mighty. And, and my dad's a cop and he's behind her, right? You're laughing, but it's true. It's and, 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 and not to mention, you know, I tell him all the time, I'm like, I pray every day and the Holy Spirit talks to me. So I know what you're doing before you even do it. And I will be in, your, you know, so, so he, you know, that's, it's a healthy fear, but he can, he can translate that to his friends and go, look, guys, you don't understand. I don't just get a slap on the hand. It's big time. And so to me in the situation where they're, you know, him humming and not wanting to be the, and be the non-cool kid, you know, mm -hmm. that, yeah. you know that, cause we've all been there. Absolutely. Say, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to rat anyone else out, but I'm out because I'm out. I don't. I, you don't understand what will happen to my life. And I would rather go to jail than deal with my parents. That's healthy. <laughs> you know? Yes, it is. That's right. So, it is healthy. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No. And you know, the opposite side of that, you know, when I talked about being uncomfortable in that, and if you look back on the scripture at the, uh, towards the end of his stay in Capernaum, Capernaum, Christ actually said, if Sodom and Gomorrah, and I'm paraphrasing this again, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the wonders that you have seen, the 22, 23 miracles that he had seen miraculous, not to include the healing that just happened because oh. he, he had healing and everything that happened with that. And so um, what he did was he said, if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen everything you had seen, they would still be standing today. But since you have not repent and repent doesn't mean what people think repent just means thought process. Being, un, being, being able to be uncomfortable. He damned them. Basically, he said, you're going to burn in hell because you have not repented. I mean, he, 
Jesus was the aspect of Jesus. I enjoy more than anything. I was going to call him something, but I have to stay to the theme of who Jesus is. Jesus was a lion. Lions are vicious. They're not very nice. Um, lions sleep 20 hours a day. They get what they need to get done in four hours. And that's probably God done because they didn't need 10 hours a day like we did. Thank God. Or there wouldn't be any animals left in the safari probably. But as a lion, he was that way. He came down and he wanted to destroy uh, um, uh, the law and what, how we wanted to be with the law as opposed to having a relationship with Christ. And even to the point of damning people to hell because they didn't repent or they didn't get they didn't want to become uncomfortable because he says, because you have not, because you have decided to stay comfortable, mm -hmm. not repenting, I'm damning you. So that's the other side of not allowing to be, not to be uncomfortable is that you're kind of cut off. Yeah. No one likes to be cut off at that point. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes to be cut off. Not from God. Ooh, not God. from God or anything. So mm -hmm. I'm really happy that I'm glad that, Whoever was, and I have to attribute that to my, my grandmother because she's still alive. She's 94 and still alive. And she prayed for me all her life. Even while I was going through, I was going through, she didn't know. But she also knew that, you know, for some reason, God had her, his hand on my life. And uh, she believed that. Yeah. And even to this day, she still does. And so that's kind of where I'm at today and doing this financial literacy and trying to help people with that part of their lives because I understand that finances ends up in divorce there's a lot of things that happen in that and um you know uh, just because you can't pay something it's amazing on how stress that makes every individuals do that but uh, like like our pastor said last night he said don't worry about nothing but pray for everything yes don't worry about nothing but pray simple. for everything you know big lou it's simple it's, it's so simple. simple we complicate it we human we do we put all these limitations on ourselves god just says just pray like literally i have been to the point where i'm like fixing to lose it and i'm pretty emotional person anyways to where i'm like i'm gonna just pray about this and then there's total peace and then things just start lining up and it's like well why the heck did i put myself through all of that right absolutely you do that you haven't absolutely. slept much lately you're tired oh it's one of those things well it's catching up from last week i don't know how much i had and emotional stress. I, emotional stress was there too, but the uh, minerals. The, I do. <laughs> I do need I some minerals. Yeah. Actually, I have to do. go to the church. Um, some of the people up at the church um, after our interview, I have to go run some up to them. It's because they need the minerals. Yeah, I need them. I need those minerals. I have not tried those, and I need to get with you and do that so that yeah. I can uh, tell people about that stuff too, as well. Because I know there's some things we want to talk about as well uh, after that, after what we're doing here. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about where, 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 where I'm at and where I'm going and, and being in this mastermind uh, with what you're doing too as well and uh, growing because I think it's a, it, it's a, and I'm not there. I've got a long way to go. It isn't, we'll, we'll never get there. It's never will. <laughs> uh, exactly. Until we die. That's about right. Till we get there, till we die. But it's, it's the fighting and getting there and, uh, and, and, and constantly, um, Enjoying life, exactly. But getting up and having to walk around us every morning—you have to walk around you to get up in the morning, yeah, and get it done. And you is probably the biggest person you have to deal with every day. Agreed. And so, um, so many people, so much more grace than we give ourselves. That's exactly I mean, right. The All the time, <laughs> I am too. It's like my wife will say that. 
why are you so demeaning to yourself? I was like, I don't know. It's just easier. You know, God, I was stupid in doing that. Or she'll say something like yeah. that. She goes, why do you say that? I said, because I was. I wasn't thinking right. I think it's because the devil knows the power of what we say. Yeah, um, and exactly. what we say is, is because it, it, it talks about in God's word all the time, that whatever we say, is what, we can tell that mountain to move and it can move. So he knows the power of what we say. And so when we do that to ourselves, we're taking power away from God. And so, mm -hmm. and, and he loves that, you know. Absolutely, uh, so absolutely. That's, so that's why. I mean, it's, I, that's a simple one too, but, that, you know, it doesn't make it any easier, but yeah. That's why it's so important I, I, to, 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 put, to be in God's word, for me to be in God's word, because I go that way real quick with myself. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think a lot of us would never say the things we say to ourselves to someone else ever, you know? No. Um, and so we have to be, we have to just know who we are in God and we have to know how much he loves us and that he would, it would break my heart. Okay. Let me be clear. It would break. I don't know. And I know it would break your heart. Your daughter is precious. If she were to say the things that you say about yourself to herself, it would break your heart. So why don't you think that, I mean, it breaks God's heart when you do that, you know, and so I the devil wants you to do that. Cause you know, if you saw your daughter saying, I'm so stupid or gosh, I look ugly, or that was a dumb thing to do. You would be like all over her. You'd be all up in her junk going, no, you're gorgeous. You're, you're amazing. You're like the most, <laughs> right. you know, you got the yeah, joy, you're right. your heart, your strength. You just would just go off. You go off on her. Right. Yeah, and you're that's right. what God wants us to know is that he loves us so much and, and he created us so unique and, and different. And we all have our one fingerprint, right. That, um, that is, that's different from anyone else that's ever been and to make our mark. And so when we know that power that's in us that, and we quit saying those negative things about ourselves, the devil's scared. So he wants us to be in that, you know, place where we're just beating ourselves up. Right. That's right. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get it. Cause we're all that way. So I'm not, you know, getting on you too much about it because we're all that, but, but if we say, like you said, keep it simple, keep it simple and put God first and just be grateful. That's why even people who, who aren't, um, I don't, uh, like in God's word a lot and, and big entrepreneurs and that made a lot of money. They all say they start their day with gratitude, whether it's scripturally based or not, it still makes a difference in their life. Right. And so they've written books about it. And, and, and I believe it's from God, you know, but the, even if they don't believe it's from God, it still makes a difference in their life. Right. So absolutely very powerful. And the things we say, and, and I'm always on my kids and my husband about it. And they're always like, okay, we're just kidding mom. And I'm like, dude, once you get it, once you get how powerful your words are, you, you can't not, you can't, you can't just let it go by. You can't just let it, yeah. you can't you just can't sit there and go, no, you can't say that about yourself, you know, or, absolutely. you know, and so I no, you, you're right. You're right, Jen. You're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And we do that. We take it non, we take it lax. We're lax about it because we just kind of do that as parents and we never realize because you as a woman, my wife was doing this with my first daughter uh, years ago, over a decade. She is 15 now. So it was over a decade ago. She's like, oh, God, I just want to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I just want to do this. And so that little one heard that. She didn't realize she's a different. My oldest daughter is very wise and very beautiful. But everybody that meets her wants a daughter like her. And I, and I know why. Uh, she's, she's amazing. She, she's 15, but doesn't give me the sass she does not do any of that and i'm so happy the five-year-old the six-year-old does the 15 year old doesn't she doesn't learn it from the 15 year old so i don't know where she gets it from. i don't know it's that second kid man it's that it's second kid man it's really hard is. that second kid i had to beat my son a lot i didn't have to beat my daughter i get you. no this one the the second one drives me my little <laughs> the cute one you saw Woo. she drives me she's too much like me 
And yep. that's the problem. The first was like my wife. Yep. And uh, she started on that. And I said, you've got to stop. Mm-hmm. And when she stopped, it was like, stop worrying about that. She doesn't even worry about that. Now she knows to, she can eat what she wants as long as she goes to the gym. Yep. And she can work out and she understands that because like, you're eight, you're young. It can't be you about got- the physical. That's what I teach exactly. my clients all the time. And this, this one from this morning, it has been huge for her and she's lost weight, a, a ton of weight because we never focused on weight ever, never weight or nothing is because we focused on performance, the things that really matter, the things that are really measurable. If you know, it's like, okay, what can we do to tweak this? It wasn't about Absolutely. losing weight. It was, let's tweak this. Okay. Your times aren't where they need to be. If we tweak these few things in your diet, we can, we can, you know, make their performance a little bit better next week. That's right. Recover That's right. better here. And you add a little more protein here so we can get some better recovery. Okay. When are you sore? Like those things, that's real measurements. That's, that's right. real change because then they see it and they feel it. You don't with weight. It's, it's negative. And so I always say, I don't believe in diets because diet is a negative. It's, it, you know, ugh, it just makes me want to, I just want to shake people. I'm just gonna be like, if it worked, we'd all be perfect, thin, whatever. Right. It's all about your relationship with, with food. And if your relationship with food is, this is going to fuel me, this isn't, this is going to hurt me. And it's going to hurt my run tomorrow. This is going to fuel my run tomorrow. What a difference that makes. Cause then, then you don't feel like if I, because if you make a choice to eat the thing that's not as good for you, for you, and then you're not saying you're bad in that. But if you make the choice and for weight loss and you, you eat it, then what do you do immediately? You feel bad, right? Mm-hmm. The other way, you just are like, man, I'm not going to run as good. And so it's going to affect my times. And so it, that's, right. that's why I don't ever say this is good and this is bad. Because if you eat a Snickers, it's not bad. It's not bad to eat a Snickers. Mm-hmm. But what, is, it gonna, is it going to serve you? in your goals it uh, and, and it has to be more than just like weight goals it, it doesn't ever work it doesn't you know no it's it's and i always told people i used to do that kind of stuff when i was younger and did bodybuilding contests and stuff mm-hmm. like that um Same. it was it was always whatever you put in is what you need to burn out if i have 2500 calories i want to lose weight i will only eat 2000 calories simple it's like your gas tank what you yeah. put in is what you burn. What you put in is what you burn. You want to burn more and lose more. Don't eat as much and burn more. It's, that's it, physical. It, it, that's it. Yeah. That's what I'm, that it's real easy for me to think of it that way. There's no diets. It's what's come in, burn. If you want to burn more fat, eat less, eat, you know, put yourself on so many calories and then at this point, burn more calories. If that's but it doesn't, do. it's not feeling though. Like when you, when you have to feel good. That's yeah. what wellness is. That's the difference. And yeah. so I used to do those competitions too. And I, I'll tell you, I never felt good. I felt I like it. crap every single day, but I got to my goal. And then what happened when I got to my goal, I was like, Oh, I did really good. I got this trophy. I can do it again. Like it, then it becomes obsessive. Right. So yeah. that's a, that, that's, that's not healthy, you know, and, no. and you don't feel good. I remember my kids, I remember drooling, cutting up an apple because I couldn't have the sugars of that apple because it would have affected my, um, my, my, you know, my fat percentage because for the, for the next show that I was doing exactly I had an ungodly 0% fat ratio and yeah. I'm a woman, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So that's right. and I remember in that moment is when God was really talking to me going, um, apples are healthy. You shouldn't, you should, you should be able to eat them. Is this really, really what you like want to do is, and, and, and it was like, I had to have this like aha moment where it was just like, I, this is not good. This is not good. And it, what's crazy is people praise you at that level too. And so it, it, it feeds that. Yes, it does. It does feed so, that. 
that's why I'm so passionate about teaching people how to how to truly have a good relationship with food to where it serves them. And, and, and that's emotional. That's spirit, soul, and body. And that, I mean, that's, you know. You're right. You know, but. You're right, Jen. We, we could talk right. all day long about this. <laughs> You're right. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and like wrap it up. And what is, what is something that you want to, because we talked about, you know, how hard it was for you. Um, you went through a lot and I feel like that's going to bring you a lot of, uh, that, that, that you have a lot, of, you'll have a lot of empathy for people that come to you and need help in situations because you're, you're not going to be judgmental because you, you know, you've done it, you've pretty much done it all. Who knows? You might've capped somebody off. I don't know. We didn't get there, but, um, if you did kill somebody, God bless you. But, um, <laughs> you're on a different path now and you're, really um, and, uh, so what is it that you want to leave people with? Um, I guess the biggest thing I want to—the um, um, biggest thing I want to leave people with more than anything—is—and I say it every day—is I, I just people need to stop worrying about people around them yeah. and what other people think uh, because you can't help anybody unless you can help yourself first. Mm -hmm. You can't love anybody unless you can love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And I did love myself for a long, long. It wasn't until literally maybe, like I said, two, three years ago, where I really felt like I started to love myself because of, of, of what I, where I had been coming. And it's very, and I hated the fact that I waited so long. I hated that it's, I hated that more than anything. Yeah. And if I could tell anybody is, man, this stuff out there that's put on social media, some of it isn't real. Some people even rent these cars, do this stuff. And, it's not even theirs, man. And success is not about what you have. Mm. Success to me is about the legacy you leave behind. Oh, so good. And so it's not any of that. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to get there and I'm going to be driving my old sport. I, I don't, I'm not a Tesla, you know, McLaren, Lamborghini guy. I'm an old school Chevelle, Roadrunner, Barracuda. I'll have a shop of <laughs> If I'm going to do cars, I'm going to do all old cars, classic yeah. cars. That's my deal. You love it. But I love that kind of stuff. But, because and there's you nothing, love it, not because exactly. anybody else loves else it. Loves it. Exactly, exactly. That's and, and that's healthy. And that's what people have to learn to do is love themselves and, and be themselves. Because And always understand, man, failing is not the end. Failing is when you stop trying. And so yeah. you... you you have to turn um, mistakes into stepping stones for success. And that's really what it comes down to. You have to learn to fail forward each time. Yeah. And if you keep falling forward and you take those mistakes and, and those stepping stones, because if people would look at me like you in framing this right now and framing uh, one frame of my life back then, they would have a completely different look of what it was or, or, or skew it because right. that's not who I am. People want to take a picture of your life and make a life story out of it. And that's not your life story. Um, and just understand that, that um, be, be you, be authentic, but be inevitably you. And I never say that, but inevitably means in everything that you do, um, whether it's a passion of your pursuing in your professional or your relationships or, uh, with, with your family and with, your, with, with God, with, with any of that. Be inevitable about that. Be sure and so confident that nobody can sway you off of that. Um, sway you off of that balance beam 
yeah. because it is. And that's what you need to learn to do is you need to be just like the young lady you were teaching this morning, be inevitable, man, be uncomfortable, make sure that you're moving towards that goal, no matter what. And don't let emotion ride you. Don't let any of that do that because those come and go. Um, there's something that every night I tell my daughter, in fact, I wish she was here and I would have her repeat it because I made it up as I went. Each night my daughters say something to, they say a, a declaration at night. And um, Bethany has one, but when she, this year I made her do her own. We had done one that I had created for her all this life. Uh, I mean, she's beautiful and awesome and she can do anything she wants to do and be anything she wants to be as long as she's willing to pay the price. I say, and she is, and she would say, I'm beautiful. I'm gorgeous. Uh, and so she would say a bunch of stuff that was the oldest, the young, younger one. I had to create something different. They both have their own sayings. Yeah. And she says at night, she says, and it was specific to me because of how her thought process, she goes, I love with my heart. I will love with my heart, but I will lead with my mind. Mm, and she says that. So I will love with my heart and lead with my mind so that I am a seed of success so that others may follow. That's her, that's her ending of it. I can't remember the beginning of it. <laughs> She's better at it because we did it we go. But that specifically sticks to me because we want to do everything with our heart. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. That way. You've got to lead with your head. You've got to have wisdom so that those things that come to you, you're not flipping and flopping back and forth to what you think and you believe. And it's very difficult to do that with us as humans, but I think it's something we can do. And we the can world fight says, through that. The world says, lead with your heart. God's word says, ask me for knowledge and wisdom. That's right. And lead that's with what your I mind. have to do every that's day. Right. That's right. Always, always ask knowledge and wisdom. And if you do those things and um, the, the emotional part will work itself out. It's not, you're not perfect. And those things are going to do that. And I still do them today. Yeah. You know, I still I do them today. story the other day where you lost it on your family. <laughs> oh dude, I lost it. See, I'm glad you shared day. that kind of stuff because that's normal. Like <laughs> that's I lose normal. it. I have to apologize a lot to my kids because I lose it. I like, I, I've gotten a lot better at it. But when my daughter was in the teenage stages, I would literally, there would be like the switch that like they would see that the crazy mom would come, you know, and, and I could see it in their eyes and I couldn't stop it. And I'm sitting there in the moment going, why am I being such a nut job? And I can see my kids looking at me like, oh my gosh, why crazy. the limit on this one. She gone crazy. Um, and then I always had to go back and say, you know, you, you, you're still in trouble because you did this, da, 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 da. And there's still consequences to your actions, but I need you to forgive me because I reacted incorrectly. My passion got in the way and I said some things that were not right. And so I need to apologize. And I don't think parents get that part and you know, where you can apologize for your behavior. I don't, I'm not going to apologize. You know, I'm not going to sit there and take their punishment away. No way. Are you kidding me? They still got accountability to it but I can apologize for my behavior because we're not perfect. We mess up. I mean, and it's okay. <laughs> you know, I've had to take away punishment though, Jen, I'll be honest with you. Cause <laughs> I'll get to the point where I'm like punishing them three times for three different, like one single thing. You can't do this, this, and this It's like, okay, I think I'm sorry. I can't punish you three times for the same act. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You're like, you know, Here's what we're going to do. You're not going to be able to do this. The others don't worry. I spoke out of emotion. Right. As opposed to my intellect. So I've had to take away punishment because at the time of the 
passion and the emotion eruption. I said, you can't do this, 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 this. I'm like, oh, shit, I just said, I just closed her down. I was like, no, no, it's specific to this. I need to make sure it's punishment to this as opposed to this. And it's so, yes. We, it's because we, were, we weren't good. It's because we did such stupid, bad things that we're just like, that will, we don't want them to go that route. You know, we overly, yes. Shut it all down. Yeah. It comes from a good place. But it doesn't, it does come, yeah, I get you. It comes no, from I feel a good you. place. But it's not always right. It's not yeah. always right. It's not always right. So thank God. And I told, uh, I was talking to my family back at home and I was talking to someone who had just got married, or one of her nieces, my wife's nieces and nephew, nephews and a niece. And I said, the greatest thing, the only advice I can tell you, man, more than anything is you will, you need to say, I'm sorry more than you say, I love you. Mm -hmm. And know in marriage, that's how that's going to be. I said, I don't care what it is. Or even with your kids, learn to say, I'm sorry. I said, and then I love you. We'll always come, but you're going to say more. And I, my, my, oldest daughter was in the room and said, baby, do I say I'm sorry? More? She goes, yes. So she was one of those things where she confirmed that because we do. We, we blow it all the time as parents, and it's so good that you have other parents that do that. But I know parents who don't apologize. I know yeah. parents who just allow it to be there and set because – and in Hispanics, you're married to one. Oh, yeah. Whatever is right, whatever said is right, that's right. But whatever is right is right. Whatever they said, that's right. They're yeah. not going to apologize or take it away. See, that's the, that's where I grew up. Yeah. It was, and it was like, damn, that's just too much for that. The, you know, the, 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 what is that? The pendulum of justice is just not right, mom. <laughs> that, that's what I thought at times. Like, it just isn't. And she apologized. My mom came. She goes, you know, I was wrong in a lot of stuff. And she told me that later. And she apologized to all my sisters. But that's yeah. what that is. It's, you, you get in a culture. It's and a that culture. culture, and it makes you less than. And Hispanics are the worst at that. <laughs> they guilt you into everything. They guilt you in why you didn't do this and come see me. They guilt you into everything they possibly can. And it's yeah. hard to break away from those type of culture things. But it can be done, guys. It, it can, can be, be done. done. It can yeah. be done. Uh, there's a story real quick, and then we're going to go. Uh, when the kids were little, we lived next door to a Hispanic family. And um, my son did something I can't remember, something that was that all the friends needed to go home. And so and it was going to meaning like, he was going to get a beating on his butt because uh, the wooden spoon was, was uh, very accessible when he was growing up. <laughs> he did a lot. And so I was like walking the kids to the front door because I'm not mad at them. And I go to, because uh, I didn't want them to be scared. I was like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to get, a, you know, he's going to be disciplined for that. You know, whatever it was. I don't even remember what it was. And I said, do y'all, do y'all um, spank in your household? Because not, not everyone does that, you know? I know. And, um, <laughs> and so one of the, the there's, there were three sisters and no, two sisters and a brother. And they, they looked up at me and they were like, what are you crazy? They were like, uh, we get, we get hit with shoot whatever's around my mom is coming flying at us <laughs> that's the truth <laughs> they're like we don't use one spoon we she uses her shoe she uses uh you know, whatever it is around her the closest thing to her is what you're gonna get a whooping with <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> so I, 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 it's so funny to me so I mean, it, you know you know jennifer good parents good parents it, they didn't beat their children but you know it, it was funny because it's true it's a cultural thing <laughs> it's a cultural thing my mom picked up those old rotary Remember those old dial rotary phones that were oh, heavy? God. They were like 15 pounds. You know, it's one that you sat there with the long cord that, you know, you could go talk somewhere. Yep. I got, I think, B out of my mouth. You're a B. And, and, and that phone kept flying across the room and I ducked it and put a hole in the wall. <laughs> Not joking. 
that that's it, man. You had to watch, man. You had to duck and watch, duck and move. So but uh, not that I, I deserved it. I oh, I know. I'm disrespecting my mom that way, but not anything against her. But yeah, yeah that's the way that culture is, man. That's the way the culture is, absolutely. So yeah. it's hard coming out of that and training right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's hard of coming out of that and training your kids right. Right. But I, uh, it can be done. Yeah, it, it can. And we would, I mean, I always joke about beating my son, but we always made them sit in his room until we weren't angry, you know? And then, yeah. Come in and we were like, look, this is the consequence. We, d- we didn't have to do that with the other one. You, every kid is different, you know, like you said. I, I could look at Alex and and she would just straighten up, you know. So it, <laughs> that's my oldest, you know. Oldest, so, right. You know, because she was like, I don't want to get, I don't want to spank, you know. My son would be like, okay, yeah, are you really going to do it? And it's like, okay, yes, we are. We're going to do it every day. <laughs> I will break you. That's right. He's poking you. <laughs> Poke the beast. And he's such Poke a good kid. He's such a good kid now. Uh, I mean, he was always a good kid, but he, yeah, he was one of those that, and and that, but those are those those grow up to be amazing people. Yeah, they do. They do. If you give them the love of God, and that's righteousness, and that's that that's what you were talking about earlier. It's it's, it's that discipline. It's just holding them accountable, and 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 then they can help other people more and be more efficient. Because if you let that kind of passionate and and you know grit go and don't hone it in to what god says um then you got a lot of problems on your hands. got a lot of problems going on that, that all the time. <laughs> i'm sure he does when he's meeting, he's like, I will, 13 i won't be at calling the cops at when you're 13 because you're gonna be a good boy <laughs> you know? it's sad but true he goes yes he's had to do that you know call the cop when you have to call the cops on your 13 year old it's sad you know there's something wrong at that point yeah, yeah so absolutely. it's okay to discipline. But anyways, we can go on forever talking about this. Thank you for coming on. You guys, where can we find you? Because I'm sure there's going to, you know, they need to see your daily um, uh, lives. Oh, daily lives. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'll put that on. I'm going to be able to link that over to you. It's actually at Big, Big Lou Lift. L-I-F-T is my Instagram. And then, of course, Facebook is just underneath my name, Louis Alviar. Okay. Um, and okay. that's underneath there too, and put that all on there and that's there too as well on there and uh, I'm on LinkedIn too as well but there's all sorts of and I'm underneath that same name it's not a goofy name it's the same name Lewis uh, Alvey you know do, you also, do yourself a favor and start following uh, Big Lou uh, it, it, it's good stuff it's it's short and sweet it's not long like today's but um, we need, you needed to be comfortable in telling your story because it's it's a powerful story and it's, it's life-changing um, Thank you. you no, know, it's a, it's a, it's to me, it shows the power of God and what God can do when you're, when you're, when you're dealing with cartel and you're, you're in that world and God, and now we're, look at where you're at, you know, yeah. that's the power of God. And so, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I'm just proud of you and thank you for, for, uh, sharing with me today and my listeners. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. I appreciate you having come on and I appreciate it. And I look forward to working with you now Thanks. and much more into the future with a bunch of stuff and health oh, yeah. and wellness. Absolutely. You'll be coming on again. All right, y'all. Bye for now. Bye-bye.